following is a message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Welcome once again, Trinity Grace. We are so glad that you are here, especially if you're our guest this morning. This morning, you need to know we're starting a new summer series. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, you can turn it to the book of Proverbs. Over the next few months, we're going to be spending our time in the book of Proverbs. And this book is found right after the book of Psalms in your Old Testament. And it is classified as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. It's a book that gives us practical wisdom for how to live in a fallen world. And I wonder this morning, if you were given the chance, how you would define wisdom. How would you define wisdom? As we launch off into looking at Proverbs, I want to share a few definitions of wisdom that I've encountered while studying this book. One Old Testament scholar defines wisdom as becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Another Old Testament professor, one that I had at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, defined wisdom like this. Skill in the art of godly living. Skill in the art of godly living. And I like that definition because the Hebrew word for wisdom can also be translated with the word skill. It's skill in how to do life. That's what wisdom is. Still another scholar has defined wisdom as that which enables us to cope with life and to achieve what would otherwise be impossible. These definitions remind us that godly living in a fallen world oftentimes feels a lot like an art. It is not a science, it's an art. It's got a creative element to it. It's something that we learn, a skill that we develop. Because you know as well as I that different situations call for different responses. We all have nuanced relationships in our lives and we approach problems and struggles in different ways depending on the context. You see this clearly even in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly. And then one verse later in verse 5 it says, Answer a fool according to his folly. So which is it? Well, it depends. It's not easy. That's why we don't always appreciate people who look at hard issues and relationships and situations and say, hey, look, it's not complicated. We intuitively know that's not the case. Life is complicated. Marriage, parenting, finances, vocation, emotions, these are complicated issues. And so much of life is lived in these tensions where it's tough to make a judgment call. This is how real life feels, and it's so easy to give easy answers to things. Say things like, it's not complicated if you people just got up an hour earlier and worked harder. And typically what that means is life has worked for me, and why has it not worked for you? But if we feel the tension in life, and you don't know the next step to take, well, welcome to real life, and we need wisdom. Life is hard, and we need it. Proverbs helps us develop skill in the art of godly living. It paints a picture of how a well-managed life, a life that leads to a deep-seated peace and contentment looks like. A life that knows what true happiness looks like in lots of different contexts. 
I think this is something that we all desperately want too. We all desire fulfillment. We crave peace and contentment in life. We wonder if satisfaction in this world is really possible. And Proverbs reminds us that as we live in the fear of the Lord, as we live under his guiding hand, we can have these things. And so this morning, we're going to look at a passage that introduces the whole theme of wisdom. Really, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are often viewed as a prolonged introduction to the book, a prolonged introduction to wisdom. What is it? Why would you want it? How can you obtain it? And then chapters 10 through 31, we see practical wisdom spelled out in our everyday lives. And so what we're going to do is spend two weeks on introduction. And then as we move through the summer, we're going to look at topical things, things like work, money, sex, words, emotions. And it's going to be topical through the summer as we look at different Proverbs through chapters 10 through 31. But today we're going to be reading a highlight of the introduction, which is found in chapter 8. It's printed for you in your bulletin. You follow along as we begin reading in verse 1. It says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And skipping down to verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Well, this is God's word and he gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to know him. Walker Percy is a well-known American Southern author and he's got a great line in his novel, The Second Coming. He says, you can get all A's and still flunk life. You can get all A's and still flunk life. 
And in many ways, this is exactly what Proverbs is trying to keep us from doing, making all A's and still flunk life. The fact is, we can have knowledge. We can know facts in theology. We can be book smart, but it's not the same thing as wisdom, which is putting facts and theology into practice. In their book, Leadership on the Line, Ronald Heifetz and Marty Linsky, two Harvard Business School professors, they highlight a problem that many leaders run into when trying to navigate through tough decisions in leadership. They say that most leaders get technical and adaptive challenges mixed up, and this causes massive problems in organizations. They say that a technical challenge is one that can be remedied with knowledge. You can fix a technical challenge by reading a book or attending a seminar or by looking at a website. On the other hand, an adaptive challenge is not about knowledge at all. It can only be addressed by a change in attitude, a change in values, a change in behavior. Heifetz and Linsky talk about how most leaders get tripped up because they treat adaptive challenges as technical challenges. You just need to read a book when it's much bigger and deeper than that. It's a cultural problem, an adaptive challenge. And in many ways, this is helpful for us. It's a helpful lens for us to understand the book of Proverbs. If we approach Proverbs hoping that it'll give us technical solutions, then we'll likely grow frustrated. It can be a frustrating book. Instead, Proverbs is meant to change our attitudes, our values, our behavior. Proverbs gives us the ability to move into the world and the issues that we face with wisdom, being adaptive. The difference is illustrated perfectly in a scene from the movie Good Will Hunting, one of my favorite movies of all time. There's a scene in that movie where Robin Williams, who plays a therapist, is sitting with Matt Damon, a genius who has deep relational problems, and they're on a park bench in this scene. And Matt Damon's character, he's super book smart. He knows lots of things, IQ off the charts, and he knows a lot of technical material. And the problem, though, is he's flunking life. He knows a lot, but he's flunking life. And this is what Robin Williams says to Matt Damon in that scene as they sit next to each other on the park bench. He says, so if I ask you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? But I'll bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. If I ask you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus about your personal favorites. You may have even been with women a few times but you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. And I'd ask you about war. You'd probably throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends, but you've never been near one. You never held your best friend's head in your lap and watched him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. I'd ask you about love and you'd probably quote me a sonnet, but you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable known someone that could level you with her eyes, feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel, to have that love for her be there forever through anything, through cancer. And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in the hospital room for two months, holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss because that only occurs when you've loved something more than you love yourself. And I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. We need wisdom in our lives. 
Simple knowledge is not enough. Think about it for a minute. Anything you want to know right now, you can find in a matter of seconds simply by pulling out your smartphone and everyone has it. No generation in the world has ever had as much knowledge at their fingertips as we do. But even though we know more than ever, it doesn't mean that we're living fulfilled lives, whole lives, lives that are characterized by peace and contentment. Knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. You can know a lot about money. Maybe you even studied finance in college. But what does it look like to be generous in different situations? What does it look like to have a healthy relationship with money? It takes wisdom. You can know a lot about friendship. Maybe you're a relationship expert who's read tons of books on the subject, but How do you respond when a friend stabs you in the back? Or how do you know how deep you should go with a certain person when it comes to sharing your life? That takes wisdom. You can know a lot about hard work and how to get the job done. But how do you carve out time in your schedule for life-giving breaks? How do you keep from running yourself to death while still doing excellent work? Well, that takes wisdom. We need Proverbs in our lives. We need wisdom to show us what it looks like to grow in the skill of godly living. And thankfully, God wants to give us wisdom. God wants to give us the ability to grow in the skill of godly living. And by way of introduction, I want us to see some characteristics of wisdom that come to us from our passage this morning. First, we see that wisdom is on offer to anyone, anyone who desires it. Did you see how persistent wisdom is in the first four verses of this chapter? Look at these verses with me. It says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. Wisdom in this passage is at all of life's most influential places, calling out for men and women to pay attention. It's as if wisdom is screaming at us to listen to her, to take heed, to yield to her instruction. It says that she's on the heights trying to get people's attention. Wisdom is at the crossroads of life where decisions need to be made. Wisdom is there becking us to choose the path that leads to life and happiness. Wisdom is beside the gates in front of the town and the gates of the city where, where business and political transactions took place in that day and age. Wisdom, in other words, is on offer to anyone who would want it. We see that wisdom wants to be found. She is not hiding from us. She's screaming at us. Second, we see that wisdom is valuable. Not only is she for everybody, she's valuable. Throughout Proverbs, wisdom is painted as a valuable asset that should be obtained no matter what the cost. Beginning in verse 4 of our passage, wisdom begins speaking for herself, taking the form of a person who seeks to persuade others of her value and her benefits. In verses 10 and 11, we see wisdom liken herself to silver and gold. Look at verses 10 and 11. She says, speaking of herself, take my instruction instead of silver in knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. 
Look, it's not surprising that we'll go to great lengths to obtain wealth. We'll work all sorts of hours. We will move to new cities, even new countries sometimes. We'll say goodbye to family. We'll sacrifice our health. We'll learn new skills, all in an effort to obtain more silver and gold. But what about wisdom? David Brooks, who's a New York Times columnist, wrote an article a while back entitled The Moral Bucket List. And in this article, he talks about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Resume virtues are the skills that you bring to the marketplace. Things like leadership and productivity and advancement. But eulogy virtues, he talks about, are the ones that are talked about at your funeral. Things like kindness and honesty and faithfulness. In David Brooks, in this article, The Moral Bucket List, he argues that we often live our entire lives trying to build our resume virtues, but we ignore the more important eulogy virtues. And in the same way, Proverbs reminds us that the end of our lives, the things that will really matter won't be those things that money can buy. As we're faced with the reality of taking our final breaths, none of us will wish that we'd lived in a bigger house or taken better vacations or gotten more promotions at work. What will matter in those days are those things that wisdom has given. Things like a clear conscience. Things like a strong family, integrity in your sexuality, kindness to your friends, knowledge that you spent your life engaged in a worthy mission. These are the things that really ultimately matter in the end, and wisdom is the currency that allows us to obtain those things. Third, we see that wisdom is timeless. As we pick back up in verses 22 and read through verse 31, which I won't read again, we get to see that wisdom was there even before the creation of the world. In fact, we see from verse 30 that wisdom was with God like a master workman during creation. God established the earth with and in wisdom. And this gives wisdom an unprecedented right and rule to speak into our lives. Wisdom is competent to counsel and authoritative when she speaks because she's timeless. Wisdom is a pre-fall entity. She was there before the fall, before sin ruined the world. Wisdom knows how we were created to function in this world. Wisdom knows what once was, what we've lost. And because of that, wisdom demands to be respected. If we want to live a life that's pleasing to God a life that brings us blessing. We need wisdom because it's old enough to show us the way. Fourth, we see that wisdom leads to happiness in life. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we see two paths laid out, two choices that are repeatedly given to mankind, the way of life and the way of death. In this introduction, we see wisdom place these two choices between, before her audience, beginning in verse 33. Read it with me. 33 says, Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Wisdom wants to lead us to life, to freedom, an abundant life that's characterized by joy and peace and love. 
Wisdom leads to life and freedom in lots of different areas, in our friendships, in our dating relationships, in our work, in our morality, in our time management, in our emotions, in our sexuality, in our consumption. It speaks to all of these things. Wisdom wants to take us by the hand and lead us to satisfaction and fulfillment. But those who refuse to listen to wisdom, those who refuse to look to her, they're going to be injured and experience tastes of death in their friendship, in their work, in their morality. God has not left us to ourselves. Wisdom is a gift of God that leads us to experience life as it was created to be lived. And the question that this passage is asking us over and over and over again is, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening to the cry of wisdom in your life? We're all listening to someone, something that promises life and fulfillment. We've got lots of different voices bombarding us on a daily basis, trying to tell us what is best for us. And wisdom desperately wants to rise above those other voices, grab us by the lapel, and claim our attention. In our passage, you see wisdom calling, raising her voice, asking us to hear. It's as if she's pleading with us again and again to listen to her, to find happiness by holding her fast. And I know some of us know what it's like to close our ears to wisdom's cry. You know what it's like to walk down pathways that lead to death. You know that sting that unwise paths often bring. A guilty conscience. Time wasted, anger uncontrolled, words carelessly spoken, sexual mistakes. All of us have tasted death to one degree or another in our lives as a result of not listening to wisdom. But this is not what God wants for us. God wants us to walk in life and freedom and peace, and so he gives us wisdom. Wisdom is shouting at us, pleading with us to pay attention I love how Old Testament scholar Bruce Waltke summarizes this passage when he says, Wisdom must emphasize the value of her words, for she has a hard sell. She has a hard sell in our culture, with all the other voices that we hear in our lives. But heeding wisdom's voice will be the best decision you ever make. As you follow wisdom's path, you'll experience freedom from anxiety and worry. You'll experience a clear conscience as you follow the will of God. The joys of work and integrity, you'll experience those things. You'll experience the carefree life of one who uses words to show love and not hate. You'll experience the deep sleep of a person who brings honor to God and joy to others. As we follow wisdom, we will experience life. Wisdom is crying out to us, will we listen to her voice? Will we study her ways? Will we pursue her paths? That's the question we're confronted with in Proverbs chapter 8. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but in this passage, wisdom is described as a person. Solomon is likely teaching young men. And so the idea that it's a beautiful woman calling out, wanting them to come and learn from her, it's, that's on purpose. Wisdom is described as a person, a woman who calls out, a woman who persuades, one who takes on the characteristics of inclusiveness and timelessness and happiness. 
Now, this was simply a literary device that was used by Solomon here in this chapter of Proverbs. It's a personification of wisdom. You're going to see it throughout the book of Proverbs. But Christianity comes and it teaches us that what was once a literary device is now a person. What was once a literary device in Proverbs is now a person. In Proverbs 8, we see wisdom personified, but in the life of Jesus, we get to see wisdom incarnate. We see the Apostle Paul describe Jesus in Colossians 2. This is what he says. In Jesus, we find one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus, we actually get to see the one who calls out to every man and woman pleading that they would listen to his cry, that they would follow him. And he goes so far as to come after you, refusing you to live for yourself. He doesn't care what you've done, what mistakes you've made, the type of person that you are. It doesn't matter. He wants to rescue you. So Jesus comes and rescues us so that we might have life. Not only that, in Jesus we see one who is more valuable than anything we could ever hope to obtain. Jesus is the pearl of great price. He's worth selling everything you have so that you might obtain him. In Jesus we see one who was with God in the beginning. Jesus is timeless. He's an agent of creation, present with the Father at the beginning of time, long before even wisdom. Paul reminds us that all things were created for him and through him, and he's before all things, and in him all things hold together, Colossians chapter 1. We know that Jesus also wants us to experience life. In fact, Jesus, wisdom incarnate in John 10 says that I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. I love how the beginning of John's gospel starts. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word there is, uh, in the Greek, it's logos. And logos was what ancient Greeks would have considered to be the ordering principle of the universe, like wisdom. In the beginning was the Logos, or the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh, wisdom became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of truth and grace." Reminds me of a story I recently heard about a friend of mine who was at a conference. And at this Christian conference, this Bible conference, he was in a group discussion with a man who wrote a pretty profound book on defending the faith. And this man was very bright. He earned a PhD from Harvard Divinity School. And Harvard Divinity School, as some of you know, is not an evangelical Bible-believing school. There's lots of theological unorthodoxy happening at Harvard Divinity School. So my friend who was with this author had a question for him. He, he asked him, how did you keep your wits about you at Harvard? How did you keep your head straight when you were around so many brilliant men and women who believed such different things than you do about the Bible? And my friend said that he thought he was about to hear this cool, super sophisticated philosophical answer. But the author responded like this. He said, honestly, 
Every day when I went to class, I looked at what they were offering me and I would come home and read the gospels and see what Jesus was offering. And I just kept going with Jesus. Wow. Amen. God wants to give us wisdom. We desperately need wisdom if we're going to live in this fallen world. And the good news is that wisdom has come to dwell among us. And his name is Jesus. When we desire wisdom, what we really desire is Jesus. When we have Jesus, we have peace and contentment. We have a life characterized by fulfillment. Jesus wants to bring us life, life that can only be found in him. And the question for us is, are we listening to his cry? Are we paying attention to his call to follow him and find life to the full? It's a question we're going to be exploring all summer long. Hope you come back. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that you have come to seek us out and to save us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that you show us who God is and what wisdom looks like. Thank you that you call us no matter what we've done so that we might come and find contentment and life and salvation in you. We pray that you would apply those truths to our heart even this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.